0: Thank you so much Sarah and Jacob. What a wonderful meditation. We're going to unpack what that means. That truth, all I have is Christ. Uh, Sounds a little minimalistic, but we need to understand it's infinite and eternal. Uh, There is an abundance in Christ. and Obviously I think the song gives us that truth as well. You know, one of the second, another thing that Pastor Steve didn't mention in phase two is I think we get to get rid of this thing right here. (laughs) So uh, not that we mind it so much, but it is a little interesting. So say hello to everyone out there. So it's a time now to direct our attention to the word of God. So hopefully your Bibles remain open to Psalm 138. Uh, We've read that. And uh, now it's time to make some comments in terms of what God has uh, really exercised my soul about in relationship to studying this passage of Scripture. And um, so I think just add uh, just from the outset here, isn't it fair to say that David's life was a dramatic one? Do you think that's a fair statement for those of you who are familiar with your Old Testament? Yeah, I think so. And in fact, I would argue that one could actually go beyond that and say that David's life was the epic expression of drama. That's what I would say, you know. Uh, you've got a lion, a bear, a 10-foot giant, and secretly anointed to unseat a ruling dynasty, all before you're the age of 20. I mean, that, that, that's just ripe for drama. And uh, certainly David faced all of that before he was 20, and it simply foreshadowed uh, the drama that would be part of David's life. You'll see our psalm is, is, is ascribed to David. These are, uh, in the book of Psalms, a last grouping of psalms that are ascribed to David. He probably wrote about half of the psalms, as best as we can tell. Uh, but a life of dramatic uh, uh, realities, um, But if we could say that David's life was a dramatic one, I don't think anyone here would be prepared to say that David was a drama queen in any sense of the word. So we would say that he probably had a life unlike few others. We wouldn't call it unique necessarily in terms of the reality of drama. But somehow, that didn't identify him. He is not somebody who we would say, oh, there's a drama queen. No, in fact, God himself looked at David and said, what, there is a man after my own heart. And uh, I think Peter references this in the book of Acts. Um, So what was it about David? All of that drama and somehow being able to escape a drama queen reality in life. Well Psalm 138 gives us a glimpse into what I would call the gyroscope of David's life. Now if you're not familiar what a gyroscope is there's probably not a whole lot of people here. I really wasn't. I've heard of it uh, and when I looked it up I said yes that's a perfect image for what was true in David's life. A gyroscope is an instrument used to provide stability and maintain reference, a reference of direction in navigation systems. Uh, David had one of those in relationship to the questions of the circumstance of his life and his emotional makeup. He had a gyroscope, if you will. And he reveals what some of the components of that gyroscope was. And in fact, this morning, we're going to take a look at three of those key components Uh, Three of those key components. We'll see that there's a skill in that gyroscope. There is a defense or, if you will, an apology uh, used in its technical term, a a defense of of why this skill is particularly important. And and then finally, a rule. So uh, a a skill, a defense, and a rule. We're going to look at those three aspects of the gyroscope of David's life that enabled him to remain settled and stable uh, through literal crazy times. So first this morning, we want to see David's skill. And we we pick this up in verses 1 through 3. I will give you thanks with what? With all of my heart, David says. I will sing praises to you before the gods I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your loving kindness and your truth for you have magnified your word according to all your name on the day I called you answered me you made me bold with strength in my soul now you'll notice uh, my translation is using the word thank you instead of praise you as Matt's translation used Uh, the new American standard does us great help here Uh, The Hebrew word is is more specifically thank, even more so than it is praise. So this isn't some general idea that, that David took up in his heart. This was something that was very specific. It could be put into simple sentences like, I thank you, God, for... It was that directive. It was that specific. And you see here that this skill, just like any professional athlete who's trying to develop skills, this skill is is the one thing that David decided to put his whole heart into. He says, I'm going to do this with my whole heart. Now, David was a king Uh, There's all kinds of things that can capture the heart of a king. And and a king has all kinds of resources that can literally fill anything he wanted to do so that it could be said he was doing it with his whole heart. He was limitless in his ability to fill his heart with anything. And yet, what does David fill his heart with? The one thing he's going to do with all of his heart. All of it. All of it. It's going to be, God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. A skill. Folks, how skilled are you in your heart? Do you have the ambition of gratitude? to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Is that the par excellence skill that you want your heart to get very, 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 very good at? Yeah, mine too. I do. Um, So what does thanks with the whole heart look like? Have you ever wondered that? I remember growing up under a a lot of uh, what we would call uh, a, a theological uh, uh, direction uh, called Keswick theology, you can look that up and and it was often filled with hyperboles, they, they really loved the adverbs like, you know, do you they, they often use the word surrender as, as sort of a final and I'm not against that, I, I think obviously surrendering our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ is important but the thought of being able to do that in a in a uh, never need to do it again way is I think contrary to the word of God we need to do this weekly and and uh, so my inability to do this in a one time surrender uh, and then wake up uh, obviously you know having tried to do that waking up the next day and just having the same sins at my doorstep and participating in them the the frustration was great so then I was kind of under the idea that I really hadn't fully surrendered. So the next time I really tried to do it. And the next day the sins were still there. So then I must not have really, 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 really done it. And so my life got lost in adverbs. In the frustration of adverbs. Uh, rather than uh, the reality of what we would call progressive sanctification. Sanctification of realizing that, you know, the oft, uh, you know, struggle, you know, looking at struggle negatively, progressive sanctification, uh, looks at struggle very positively, and recognizes it's part of the warp and woof of making me become more like Jesus Christ, and, and it's the expectation of every believer who is yet to be fully glorified, Um, So we like to look at them as faithful friends rather than struggle. And I think a heart, a heart given over to being thankful with the whole heart sees things that way. But the point I'm simply trying to make here is that uh, uh, it's hard to know what something is with your whole heart, right? Uh, Doing something with your whole heart or did you really do your best? And I remember being asked that question all the time. As a young person, i say, I don't know. <laughs> I think I did. You know, I, I was never sitting there doing something, you know, hoping to do or have poor things come out as a result and really. So what does it mean to do, particularly to be thankful with your whole heart? Well, David tells us. The first thing it means is you have to be resolute about it. He says, I will. I will. It's a matter of determined will.'" In other words, he didn't listen to his heart. He commanded his heart. That's a whole different ballgame, isn't it? I will thank God with all of my heart. He commands his heart. He's resolute. He doesn't listen to his heart. He commands his heart. We also see here that if you're going to be thankful with your whole heart, your thanksgiving has to be gritty. 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 Where is he thankful? He says, I sing praises, or or, I sing praises to you before who? That capital G gods or little g gods? Little g gods. So he kind of takes the little g gods and he rubs its face in it. You know, this is the Hebrew word Elohim. This is a word that you could use for capital G God. And the challenge is, is you are inescapably religious. You are a worshiper by creation. You will always have a God. It will either be a capital G God, the God of the Bible, or it will be a little g God or a little e Elohim. And and how do you know when you've transferred from capital G to little g or from capital E Elohim to little Elohim? Well, you know you have little Elohims in your life when all the normal realities of life, with all of its anxious-producing stuff, begins to master you. At that moment, you know you have a little Elohim in your life. And when it dominates the lens through which you look at life, your identity becomes the identity of a victim. Folks, it's at that moment that your thanksgiving needs to get gritty. And as you're wrestling with your, you know, my mom she never would put up with self-pity. Oh, that was my little Elohim. I love that Elohim. And my mom would not put up with it. You know. We always got, you know, there are people around the world who are starving. What do you mean you're not thankful for your food? You know, there are people around this world who have absolutely no freedom. What do you mean? You better be thankful. She had a gritty Thanksgiving. Folks, your lives are filled with issues, all kinds of issues. You're good Gentiles. That's what Gentiles are. We had no law. We had no civilization. You know, we basically marinate in our own appetites. This is what we do. This is what Gentiles are. There's all kinds of corruption that results in our life. And then Jesus comes in, and he begins to straighten it out. So we can sit there and believe we're victimized and believe we're hopeless. Or in the moments those ugly Elohims raise their head, and you, you, whatever one yours is, you choose it. It's at that time, your thanksgiving better get awfully gritty. You better look that thing right in the eye and say, no, I thank God that I am in Christ. I am a future ruler of the world. Nothing in my past or present will ever define me, and I'm not going to walk around with my tail between my legs. I'm not going to do that, because I'm thankful with my whole heart. With my whole heart. It's got to be resolute, gritty. It's humble. It's humble. It bows down, David says here. I bow down toward your holy temple. You know, it, 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 it isn't something that's just sort of secret. No, it's something that is overt and identifiable. You know, this brings conjures up my uh, memories of Daniel, remember? Boy, who, who had a more dysfunctional, Crazy set of circumstances than Daniel. He's hauled off to a Gentile culture as a teenager. As God elevates him, he throws open his windows to Jerusalem, what the Old Testament saint was to do, because it was there they had the central altar. And he literally bowed down and prayed in the sight of his enemies. He was humble before his God he was humble he was humble uh, it's sophisticated if you're going to do something with your whole heart it's got to be sophisticated what, what I mean here is, is that it is not simple trite you know like when we were kids uh, Now, oh, oh, how'd that little prayer go oh, before we would eat um, yes thank you joy and it's a good prayer God is great God is good Let us thank him for our food. Okay, now, now that's good when you're a child or maybe your first week of being born again. But I think together we can argue that's not very sophisticated. Okay? The goal is to grow in the depth and sophistication of your understanding why it is we should be thankful with our whole heart. And here's some reasons. I give thanks to your name. Uh, uh, for your loving kindness, your everlasting love. You need to think and meditate on that. Eternity is a long, long time. And God's love is persistent and habitual for a long, long time. His loyal love. You need to study that out. Your truth, truth, Are you thankful for truth? Are you thankful when truth hits you between the eyes and life takes on some clarity and you're humbled and you confess your sin? You know, the Bible teaches, Jesus taught us in John that we live in the era of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Wrath and truth is coming. Truth has always been. We had law and truth. We're now in grace and truth. Wrath and truth is coming. You have a wonderful opportunity to be a lover of truth. The people in the tribulation period, they don't love truth. God is trying to get through to them and all they do is they raise their fists in the face of God and they will not repent. And they know exactly why catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe is falling upon the earth in that seven-year period of time, yet they will not. They will not. So let's not have that spirit. Let's have love, grace, and truth. So it's sophisticated. Loving kindness, truth, the reliability of God's word, uh, uh, becomes apparent to all because we live it out and we love it and we begin to uh, it begins to overtake our conversation and our life and it's dependable for you have magnified your word according to your name God's word is the precious precious reality that that begins to become the rich source. Of why we can give our heart over to the skill of being thankful. Being thankful. It's preoccupied. Uh, boldness. sourced in... Did you see that? Isn't that a, kind of an interesting turn on words? On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with what? Strength in my... You know, boldness in the life of an individual can be the product of a lot of things. Um, I have marveled as I have sat in the audience and watched on stage performers perform with an amazing amount of skill and ability. And I sit there and I think, my goodness, this person's got to have it all together. Look at how they're displaying their craft. And then you go up to that person afterward and and you begin to talk to them only to find that the soul of this individual is not settled. So there's a skill that can come from books and practice or a boldness that can come from books and practice. Uh, The Bible talks about a bold face. It says in uh, Proverbs chapter 21 29, a wicked man displays a bold face. So, so boldness can even a bold face can come from wickedness, can come from uh, plotting how a man or a woman can get what they want in the way that they want. That can produce a boldness, a confidence, an arrogance, a boldness, if you will. The Bible talks about a harlot, somebody who sells their body for sex, that this person, too, can have a bold face. My friends, can, can I say that if your thanksgiving to God is going to be gritty, sophisticated, if it's going to be humble, if it's going to be resolute, it will only come When your soul is settled in the strength of the Lord. This is boldness based on the immaterial part of whom I am. Being settled. The big answers, the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? The word of God settles those questions once and for all. How am I supposed to make sense out of my past? What am I supposed to do in my present? Settled in the soul as we look to God's word. So why is thanks with all of my heart such a critical skill? Why is I mean, why? Why did David seek to train his whole heart with this skill? I mean, he was the poet, warrior, king. One may argue that he should have given his whole heart to other things. Why not the art? Uh, uh, or techniques of warfare or why not the art of art he was a poet what about power and politics why something so simple and mundane as I thank you God why well David knew this truth and it's exposed in verses 4 through 6 David knew that thanksgiving to the Lord would be the single most critical skill necessary why And here's his defense. Because the future is the Lord. Notice I didn't say the future is the Lord's. It's not like he possesses it. He is the future. And we see all these geopolitical realities. Uh, verse number 4, all kings of the earth will give thanks to your Lord. The geopolitical climate in that day will require kings, the highest expression of the glory of nations, to be skilled at saying, I thank you, Jesus. That's what's going to dominate. And oh, if saying it's not enough, they're going to have to sing it. Can you imagine an election you know what candidate a just doesn't have the rhetoric to say thank you jesus real well i don't think we're going to vote for him or hey you know what ah, candidate b they're a little off key when they're singing i thank you jesus we don't want to send that guy up to jerusalem <laughs> the king's not going to like that Can you imagine a political, a geopolitical culture? Folks, that's controlled. Not by blue and red. Not by what I'm trying to think of the words. They're not coming to progressivism or conservatism. A geopolitical culture controlled by who in the world can say thank you and sing thank you best. The king of kings and lord of lords Now there's a whole career of the kings of the earth In the book of revelation I would recommend you studying the career of the kings of the earth But let me give you this one Here's how it all ends up This is revelation 21 22 and following This is why David said I better get good at this I saw no temple in it He's talking of the new Jerusalem now There is no temple there There's no Shekinah glory of God there. King Jesus is there. You don't need smoke and mirror. Oh, that's that's, that's irreverent. You don't need clouds anymore where God supposedly is. Well, he is. We have the man. (laughs) And here's what the kings do. I saw the temple, and and, uh, for the Lord God, the Almighty And the Lamb are in the temple, so we will see the Lamb. The Lord God Almighty will remain spirit, but the Lamb is our focus. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illuminated, and its lamps is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime, and its gates will never be closed And they, the kings of the earth, will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And boy, they better be articulate. Boy, they better sing well. Because everything they bring into that city will have Jesus Christ as its subject matter. You see what David's saying? Do you see why thanksgiving better become the skill of your heart? Jesus is the future. Amen. And he's infinite and eternal. And on and on we could go. So his defense, his apology, his apologia. Of all of the things. And then finally here, a uh, lot more we could say about that. But what's David's rule? So we find his rule there. Verse number 8. What's his rule in life? So we have, we have the skill, we have his apologia, his defense of why the skill is the critical skill. And then he says, here's my rule in life. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. The Lord will do it. He will accomplish what concerns me. Uh, Three massive implications of this simple rule exists in these verses. The first is trouble and exploitation are not my final state. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies. You know, everyone faces these realities. David had, like some of you have, he, like you, have trouble and exploitation in spades. David did not expect to find any reviving or justice except from the Lord alone. Read carefully verses 7 and 8. Note the source of revival. Note the source of justice. As such, we simply have to wait on the Lord's timing for that relief and final closure. Until then, we live not with closure, but with promise. Closure and promises are two very different things. Promise is abundantly available, as Peter reminds us in 2 Peter 2 1. It's the way whereby we, 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 we partake of the divine nature. Closure will come. You know, I've talked to people who have been violated, and um, as a pastor, when I say justice will be served, that man or that woman who violated you, they will face justice. And I've heard those people say, "Oh no, 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 no! That's not what I want. That's not what I mean, folks. That's what I want." And that's exactly what God means. There will be justice. Mark it down if you've been exploited. If you've been abused. There will be justice. That's the promise. It's that promise through the lips of thanksgiving that allows you to get up in the morning and to face another day. Not because you have closure. Not because everything is rosy and makes sense. No. Because with your gritty thanksgiving, you have looked at this little Elohim, this man or this woman in your past, who perhaps you've given Elohim status and you've allowed them to take control of your identity and your life. And that will stop today. And you will look at God and you will say, God, I thank you for what you have allowed in my life. And I thank you that justice is coming. And I thank you for the joy of being in Christ. And having my identity sealed by someone who is the capital E, Elohim. The capital E, Elohim. What about the heavy weight of accomplishment? The Lord will accomplish the things concerning me. You know, accomplishment is a heavy weight. What have I accomplished today? (laughs) You know... I'm coming into my midlife crisis so if I come up here with a chain and my chest hair is hanging out you know, just, just go with me just be patient you know, I drive up in a you know, a little Lamborghini or whatever um, but accomplishment you know, I'm told that wives are always wondering about accomplishment when, when, when lives are defined in relationships rather than in you know scientific progressions, and and it's difficult. But know that the Lord will accomplish the things concerning me. What a blessing! Um, and we know what the Lord's trying to accomplish in us, don't we? He's trying to make us just like His Son Jesus, just like His Son Jesus. What a great joy! So, in conclusion, we have a skill, a defense, an apology, if you will, and a rule this morning. Dramatic realities in our lives give us opportunities to sharpen the skill of thanking God with all of our heart. That's the key, all of my heart. Every corner needs to have thankfulness, God. Please help me with that. Help me to get really good at it. Help me to be content with your provisions in my life and not allow my eyes to wander away and wish and long... keep me thankful keep me thankful they teach us that the only way to survive today is to consider the day when Jesus will literally be here managing this earth these difficulties, these dramatic events serve as opportunities to be more like the Lord Jesus and to get used to being thankful We'd be remiss if we didn't observe the method of the psalmist, confession and prayer. Oh, take up that method. Become a habitual confessor in prayer to God about all of these wonderful truths. When drama fills our thoughts, this method needs to be the weapon of choice. May God help us to master the art of theological confession and thankfulness. Mastering this life from the perspective of heaven that's theological confession may we see life not with terms uh, of finality like get all you can, can all you get sit on the lid, I've got to do this today it has to happen, it must happen stop thinking of it in terms of finality, David didn't but rather in terms of preparation for the future that's the perspective God wants us to have let's pray together Lord we need your help these are high and lofty thoughts but Lord the plane has landed because each one of us can say in any moment because we can crawl right up into the lap of the God of heaven we have this ability we don't have to somehow get to Jerusalem to the central altar because Jesus has accomplished redemption redemption The relationship between us and the Father is repaired. And we can talk to you, God, at any moment. And we can be gritty enough to look at anything in our life and to say through it, I thank you, God. Lord, give us that grit. Give us the sophistication to understand what you're trying to do in this life. Give us a focus on your loving kindness, Lord Jesus. Your loyal love. This is the worst things are ever going to be eternity is, is filled with things that are unspeakable and full of glory and you're preparing us so that when we get there there won't be awkward silence our hearts and minds and lives will be filled with thanksgiving our Lord deliver us from awkward silence in heaven uh, teach us to be thankful in all things we pray we love you